Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, it's Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and welcome to another episode of Be Unique's Unscripted, where we talk to artists, musicians, performers, and business professionals. My name is Tony Taylor, I'll be your host for this evening. You know, you could spend your Thursday nights anywhere, and we are excited you're spending it with us. The conversation is cool, it's calm, and it's casual. You can also be a part of the conversation by dialing 516-418-418. Five six five one. Now, before we begin, let's talk about why you need to get on your phone and go to beunique.org. That's b u n e k e dot org. Here's what Be Unique is all about. Our mission is to work today to change tomorrow using digital mediums to connect the world with professional storytelling and media production. We work to educate, inspire, and foster positivity and creativity worldwide through video, audio, and a spectacular literary magazine featuring writers from around the world. The newest Be Unique magazine is out right now, and you can read it online along with Be Unique Brevard magazine, the Space Coast premiere magazine. Be Unique is also a media powerhouse. Not only do you get this incredible podcast hosted by me, Tony Taylor, but 11 other shows. So sit back Get comfortable and get ready to dial 516-418-5651 with your questions, comments, and whatever else you may want to say. Let's meet our guest. All right. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Unscripted. It is Thursday night. It is 9 o'clock. It is Eastern Standard Time. I am here, and with me tonight, I am very excited to introduce once again to the show, Eric has. Eric, how are you? I'm good. It sounds like you got a, a ruckus crowd going on tonight, so I like that. It's a good start to the show. Uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you. you know, we had a little bit of a technical difficulty, but we were able to work it out at the last minute. So I appreciate your patience and, and, and everything, and uh, let's, uh, let's go ahead and jump in. Eric, you are a world-class magi- magician. You perform on stage constantly, and... Um, Tonight, we want to take a little bit of a different turn. We want to talk about the magic that you perform off stage because you're also a middle school teacher. Now, how long have you been a middle school teacher, Eric? I am wrapping up my 20th year uh, working for Orange County Public Schools, which is in Orlando, Florida, um, and it, it has flown by. I feel like I just started, and now my 20 years in. 20 years in. 20 years in, and I'm sure you have seen a lot during those 20 years. It's, it's been an interesting ride. Um, education has a tendency that it, it changes a lot in regards to um, anytime you have new, new government, new officials come in. Um, they bring in new right. ideas and different things, and you, you, you just kind of have to ride the wave because sometimes they're good ideas, sometimes they're bad ideas, and when they're good, hopefully they get some traction. When they're bad, hopefully they just kind of fizzle out um, like they have a tendency to do, which is always a good thing, especially if it's a bad idea. So seen a lot. Um, <laughs> of course, the technology has changed drastically. 
Um, so that's, that's been a, a big thing. Uh, I think probably definitely for the positive um, in, in most regards when it comes to teaching. So, yes, it's, it's changed a lot in 20 years. I'm telling you, well, listen, we want to talk about the magic you have performed offstage, and that is, of course, your book, Empowering Students for the Future. Now, how did it come to be? Why did you decide to write a book? <laughs> it, and it's funny you, you connected to the magic because that's where it started. Um, I, had, I always had a dream of, like, how can I take the message from my classroom, combine it with magic, and put it on stage? Like, and that was literally, that, that was the idea, and I called it motivational magic. That was how I, I, I started it. Okay. And I had this, but I didn't know how I was going to do it. Had no idea what I was going to do. Um, so in 2019, January 2019, uh, I took a, a, a tumble, a snow skiing, and I tore my pectoral tendon, which is the, the tendon that attaches the, the, your pec to your humerus, which is your, your upper bone of your, of your arm. Had to serve you. I'm not that out for six, for six months. So here I am, okay. I'm like, I have all the time on my hands. What do I want to do? Hey, let me develop that motivational magic idea. So I started typing. I'm like, what, what's the message I want to share for my classroom? And it got to 10 pages, and it got to 20, and then it got to 32 pages. And I think that was the big tipping point in my, maybe I've got something here. Let me just keep dumping into it. Let me keep putting into it. And I started, uh, which is interesting how the brain works, that when you start realizing something is of interest to you, then you start recognizing all the little nuances and, and occurrences in your life, and you're like, oh, oh, I can add that to my book. And this is something cool I did um, in, in teaching, and I can add that to my book. And it just, I just started dumping into it, dumping into it, dumping into it, and it came about. Uh, it took, I uh, started in 2019. I think I probably was done by 2021, um, which, okay. as you can see in that time period, there were some interesting things that happened in education because we went into lockdown and we went into COVID. So some of that right. stuff I got to pull and put into, into the book as well. So. And yeah, Eric, kind of it, evolved into, it evolved into 215 pages. So Yeah, uh, I don't wow. know how that happened. That's, that, sounds <laughs> like, that sounds like a lot of writing. And I, I, here's what I want to happen, though. Here's what I would love to happen. They need to stamp books pre-chat GPT and post-chat GPT, because this was written <laughs> pre-chat GPT. So the, all these words were written by me, and, and I did have an editor. So these were all written by human hands and no AI. Um, but, yeah, it, it's 215, 16 pages, uh, whatever it wound up being. Uh, uh, really, it's, it's, it's meant to be primary audience, a resource for teachers. Um, but secondary I, I audience. So. Yeah. Secondary audience is really is anybody who's trying to educate someone or inspire them to start building their own mindset with success. And that's, that's really who, who I, I – because I, um, I had I, – I can't overlook, it, like I said, 20 years of teaching experience. And that was one of the struggles when I was writing. It's like, who's my target audience? And then when I started just when, – when I surrendered and said, you know what, there's, there's a ton of self-help books out there for everybody. But what about a self-help book? for the classroom that teachers right. can use, and then they can take some of these concepts um, and apply it to their students in a very easy way. So, Well, I, that, I, that's I, love, I love the first question you ask in this book, and that is mm -hmm. how can we evolve education to create more successful students? 
I think that is a, a wonderful place to start. And why don't we start there, Eric? Why don't you tell us how we can involve education to create more successful <laughs> students? And, and that, yeah, thank, I'm, I'm glad you picked up on that because that's, that's what it's about. Like, I, I don't think there's anybody walking the streets today that would say, yeah, I learned everything I needed in school. And, uh, I mean, right. we can pull out uh, any random example of things that we learn in school. And we're like, we never use that. And the thing I got in the book um, is the, the – I, I write out the beginning of Canterbury Tales, which to this day I still have memorized. One that a free with the oh shirt of the circle, the drill really? and march of Parsons, oh, the road. Like, why, why did I have to have this memorized in school, right? And I know there's some good things in, in trying to teach memory, but – um, and you're building your memory. But evolving education begins by let's ask the right questions. Let's right. ask the right questions. And it's not eliminating all the concepts out there. Let's ask the right questions. And as I kind of phrase when I'm, I'm, I'm performing this and, and, and sharing this with these different schools I, I share it with, is these are the questions that have slipped through the cracks of education. But these are the questions, if you internalize them, you reflect over them, you can live a happier, healthier, more successful life. And it really comes down it's, to the big, big umbrella question is what is your definition of success? Well, that is a big umbrella. And I tell you, you're, you're, you're talking about asking questions. And in, in those questions in your book, you talk about rapid-fire questions and introducing bowl meetings. But you mm – -hmm. You, you entail that chapter with helping students find their passions. Can you talk a little bit more about rapid questions and introducing bowl meetings? What is that exactly? So the rapid questions are the questions that I really we should be asking ourselves all, all the time. Um, like, what okay. am I good at? What do I enjoy doing? What am I good at but I don't enjoy doing? What am I bad at but I wish I was better at? Like all these different questions just – and it's almost asking the same question but just changing one word here, one word there. And then asking other right. people like, hey, what, what, what do you think I'm good at? What do you think my strengths are? Like asking your parents and family and your, your closest – people closest to you. Like what, are, what do you think I am? Who do you think I am? And by building all these, these different answers to these questions, that then can at least direct you – on a path that I really think you should go. Because, like, if you get into it, like, I um, – maybe you're like, I am terrible at math, and I hate math, and I don't think I'll ever like math. Well, becoming an engineer might not be the best direction you want to go. <laughs> so sometimes closing doors is just as effective as opening doors. So it's just piecing together who you are, how you think, and then taking that and saying, okay, how can I move forward from here? You know, um, and it's it's always eye opening to ask ask the, my students these questions and have them dig into it and kind of get their responses from it uh, because, like I said, it's just trying to guide us down the path of beginning to understand us. And of course, the answers are going to change. You're a different person than when you were twelve, oh, yeah. or a different person than you were ten years ago. I certainly hope ago. so. <laughs> Absolutely. <Yeah. laughs> I certainly hope so. Did you, did you, um, on a personal note, on a personal question uh, for myself, did you kind of evaluate your material with your students, or was this something that you just absorbed while during your 20 years as a teacher? Meaning, uh, so it sounds like you know, did, how did it start? Is that kind of? Right, right, right. 
Uh, it, it started, uh, it really started back with, because you had mentioned before the bowl meetings, it started with the concept where I was uh, teaching at, uh, actually the current school I'm at now, it was very rough conditions. It was Title I school, so that's, that's a very high percentage of students um, on free and reduced lunch coming from very troubled home backgrounds. And I was just right. so fed up with all the, um, the, the hallways and the behaviors in the hallways. And I, I was fed up with that, so I called this class in. It was my six-period class. I was teaching physical science at the time. I said, come in and sit down. I'm like, I'm sick of that hallway. What do you, do, what do you hate about that hallway? And I look at one kid, and then I ask another and another. Then all of a sudden, it was the weirdest thing happened. These kids, we, we bonded because we all realized we had the same disdain for And I had no idea what was going with all of it, but we all realized we had the same disdain for it. And then I was like, okay. How do I turn this around and make a teachable moment? I was like, okay, you know what? Then let's be the leaders in that hallway. Let's make the change now. And wow. from there, I was like, this, this little meeting stuff kind of works. And then I tried another meeting. And the next time I was frustrated with something, I called another meeting and then another meeting and then another meeting. And then I was like, oh, maybe I should actually purposely plan these things and not always make it about negative things. And that's where the whole right. idea of the bold meetings came from, which was literally they walk in. They grab a little piece of paper, and they answer a prompt question on the board. And the prompt question could be anything from, like, um, what are you doing to be emotionally successful? What motivates you in life and school? Uh, that type of thing. What, what the, the sacrifice mean to you? So any of these questions, they just seem to, just, to think deeper. And that's kind of where how it got its genesis. And from there, I just poured into it more. Because I, I realized that at the end of that year, honestly, those kids specifically, I thought most of them hated me. But it was, it was they were eighth graders oh, wow. going on to high school, and they came up, and so many of them were like, hey, will you come teach at Jones High School? Will you come teach at Evans High School? I'm like, what? And I really, I sincerely thought, I was like, oh, these kids can't stand me. But it was something that I was able to reach the students because I took the time to let them speak. I took the time to listen. And that, that, was, that was a big turning moment in, in my teaching career. And really? That was, I don't know how many years ago, six, seven, eight years ago um, that that happened. But uh, that was a big thing, yeah. Well, now you talk about also, too, uh, passions and evaluating passions. And how does, that, how does that lead to shedding light on a student's road to success? I, it goes back to understanding who we are. And um, I think there's a, bit, a misconception, and I always kind of couple that thing of determining your passion and how can it turn into a career, but I always follow that up with it doesn't have to be a career. It doesn't right. have to be a career. But it's important for you to understand who you are, like, and, and it begins by really diving into your passions. And that doesn't just mean the singular thing, because so often, uh, especially when, when we're younger, we're like, well, my passion is basketball, and I'm going to grow up to be an NBA player. But you look at your parents, and dad's 5'6", and mom's 5'2", and it's like, <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's going to happen, right? <laughs> um, but it, so it's, it's a matter of truly beginning to understand yourself better and evaluating those passions and understanding, okay, this, this truly is – um, something that I could turn into a career, which is the, the follow-up question to that, because I have them dig into whatever the passion is. I don't care what it is. If it's MBA or if it's being um, a veterinarian, whatever it is, I want them to start looking at how could they actually make this happen? 
How can they make it happen? Because that would be great. Yeah, if you're passionate about it at 12 and you become, it turns into your career and you're passionate about it till the day you die, that's great. So I have the students dive into, and this really goes for adults as well, like dive into it. Like why are you passionate about it? How much, what education do you need to make this happen, to turn this into a career? And that education could be a traditional education um, or a formal education, or it could be an, a non-traditional education. Like, is there some sort of uh, other track that you can go and learn this information? Maybe it can be off, running off of YouTube. But I want the students to, to understand, hey, dive into this question and really figure out how much money you're going to make, what's the likelihood you're, gonna, you're going to actually um, dive into uh, that as a career. Those are the things I want them to begin to understand. And I, I've got one kid who um, I, I had the privilege of teaching him three years, and he was a great skateboarder. I mentioned, I talk about this in the book, he was, he was this great skateboarder. He already had little sponsors and stuff, and he always said he wanted to be a professional skateboarder. Um, by year three, he, he had changed his mind and said, I want to be a graphic designer. And I said, I said, well, hold on, hold on, don't, ab- don't abandon your, your, like, why are you saying this? And he went through the rationale of why he wanted to become a graphic designer. Um, and I'm not saying that was 100% my influence, but I got him thinking about it. And I think that's, that's the important thing is getting students to think about it. Um, and it goes back to evolving education of, I never had a teacher ask me that question. Did you ever have a teacher ask you, hey, what is your definition yeah. of success or what is your passion? What are you passionate no. about? I never have. And um, I'm wondering then, is, is that why it, it seems right off the bat in the book, uh, you talk about your personal struggle in finding success. Is that in some way mm-hmm. making this relatable for those that are reading the book? I, I think so. And I think everyone has, has gone through some of these Hopefully, at some point in time, they've asked themselves some of these questions. Um, but my own struggle were uh, – so I'm 46 now. I didn't understand these things to really – I was like 40 years old. <laughs> and it's a shame that I right. – you know, I'm, I'm 40 years of my life, I didn't understand these, these simple questions that I wish someone had kind of enlightened me more about. Um, uh, my, my education background is I, I – went right into college and got a degree in radio and television broadcasting because I thought I, I was like, I want to be a news reporter. And I did it. I got the degree and I worked as a news reporter for like two and a half years and hated every second of it. Every minute, really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and, and I carried that burden with me for so long that I didn't forgive myself. I was like, I can't believe I wasted my time in, in college and wasted my time doing that. And now I'm behind. And I, and I just I carried that with me everywhere as, instead of saying, hey, I learned a lot from that experience. I got to do some cool things. I was on TV five nights a week, and it was a cool experience, but um, I've moved on. That, that's a, a chapter of my past. No, no, I carried it with me like it was a chain, a ball and chain with me through life. It's like I can't even – I wouldn't even tell people that. Like it was like a secret that I wouldn't even tell them that that's what I did because I felt like it was such a, a mistake in my life. But it took all those years, all, all these years, um, to get over it and realize, hey, my perspective was just off. I was just thinking about it the wrong way. And that was it. And as soon as that changed, man, my, my, my life has, has drastically changed. My mindset it really has drastically changed, I think. Well, that sounds – I mean, how did you bounce from broadcasting to education? Oh, that's a wonderful, wonderful segue. I like that. 
Um, because what I didn't recognize early on, going back to passions, and what do I excel at? I always excelled at math and science. I always, that was always my wheelhouse in school. So I finished up my contract as a reporter. I, um, I was living in Ohio at that, at, at that time. I went to UCF in, in, here in Orlando, uh, University of Central Florida. And I went up to Ohio and worked in Toledo, Ohio, up there. And I came back down, and I just like, I don't want to work in news, but that's all I knew I could do. So I, I was sending out my resume right. tapes. Um, and they were still VHS tapes at that time. And at that, at that point in time, I had a buddy of mine from college I was rooming with. And he, um, he was a teacher, and he loved it. So I started substitute teaching, and that's when it hit me. I substitute taught for basically the, the equivalent of about a, a school year. And it came down to the end of that school year. I had finally, uh, there was a local station here called News Channel 13. Um, they right. offered me a position. And at the same time, a, a, the principal said, hey, uh, we, I've heard great things about you as a substitute teacher, and we'd love to bring you on and start teaching fifth grade next year. And that's when I made that decision. I'm like, I got to switch gears. Um, and so that's you, why I, I came you, into my wife. You, yeah. you turned in, so you would work throughout college to get to a position where exactly what Channel 13 had offered, and you made a hard decision. Mm -hmm. You decided to go with what you found was your new passion. Mm -hmm. I did. And uh, that, that was – I definitely don't regret walking away from television at all um, in, in any means whatsoever because I, I got into teaching, <laughs> and that's, that's why I really loved it. And I realized that's such a much more impactful job. It's an important job. Now, I did have to go back and do some college stuff and, and get all those things made right. up. and uh, Get your teaching degree. Yeah, I got I've got a master's degree in math and science education and all kinds of other wow. things. Um, but it was it was something that just like I almost stumbled into it. But I, I firmly believe like if I had been asked the right questions earlier on, I would at least have seen this as a path. And I, I think that's that's the key is being able to answer ask these questions, have these questions asked of you, reflect over them, right. and then kind of follow your own uh, your own path. And like, oh man, yeah, this is something I am good at. This is something I enjoy, and this is something I don't enjoy. And and I think that really can lead you uh, kind of where you want to go. You know. Well, you know, it, it sounds like too um, that you know you could have considered yourself, you know, a a, a really a, a victim. And by victim, what I mean is, you know, really, 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 you know, took a challenging time and beat yourself up. How did you get through that? How did you decide? And, and this is a chapter in, in your book, you know, victim mm -hmm. versus value. You want to lead students through challenging times. How did you get yourself through those challenging times? Because I know you had worked so hard and you talked about how, you know, you felt it was a ball and chain that, you know, you'd made a mistake. Mm -hmm. How did you pull yourself out of that and not become a victim and discover a value? Uh, there, there's, a, there's a few little domino effects that, that, that began happening. Um, one, as I mentioned, that the snow skiing accident that happened in 2019. Um, because when I started realizing I, I needed to develop more more content, which meant I needed to develop my mindset, that put me on this path of really feeding my mind every day and, and looking into 
Um, Lack of better term. Yeah. Can I interrupt you real quick and ask? I think it's a really important question. What process or, or, or what made you decide to change your mind? I mean, how did you was, find that in yourself? The realization that I, I didn't want I didn't want to be who I was. I was unhappy with um, who I was, okay. and and it was just I had a yeah I just I didn't want to be and and it was, it was as actually approaching I was approaching forty years old. And I don't. And it was like, no, no, no. I can't think this way going into my 40s. I don't need a midlife crisis. I don't like. I. What can I do to change me? Um, because I find, finally something that did. You stop the blame game. You stop blaming this person, right. that person in life, and just say, you know what? As you mentioned, like I, I'm not going to be a victim. I'm not going to be a victim. And sometimes the unfortunate thing is far too often we victimize ourselves. We put ourselves in that category, yes. and no one else is, but we do it to ourselves and claiming we're a victim yes, like we do. No, pull yourself out of it. And that's what I, that's what I had to do. I had to, do, I had to take a, a hard look at myself and say, I don't want this. I don't want to think this way anymore. I don't want to feel this way anymore. And, and that's really where, where it, it came from was just – I wish I could say it was one epiphany or one wonderful conversation or one sermon I heard or something, but it was just enough of over and over again realizing, no, no, my life's not over. I haven't arrived wherever arriving is, and now now I've got got to move forward. And so my mom was very optimistic in my life, and um, I remember we were going (laughs) – I, I, I remember we were driving all the way. Actually, it was when I got the job up in Ohio. So I'm driving from Orlando to Ohio in a U-Haul. I've got my mom there, and we're pulling my old uh, Honda Accord in the back. And we're driving up there, and I don't know. I mean, we're eight hours into this 19-hour drive or whatever it is. And she's like, Eric, 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 did you see that? I'm like, what? Did you see that? I'm like, what? And she was excited to see the, the purple glow, uh, glowing neon light around someone's license plate. I kid you not, that's how excited she got. I'm like, Mom, we still got like 11 hours. And she's like, Eric, you've got to enjoy the journey. And it didn't set in then. It took a lot of years later, but I finally decided, oh, it's not even about the destination. It's about that journey. It's about that journey. And if I can somehow impart to my students Hey, plan your journey. Figure out where you want to go, but you got to enjoy it along the way. Oh man, they're going to have a much better life. Much better life. You know, looking looking at the different directions you take in this, it's almost like we're we're looking at a book that has building blocks. And mm-hmm. you know, this is a good segue into that. I mean, did you uh, you, you you talk about overcoming defeat? Did you feel defeated? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and that was one of the things that I had to look at because – so I spent that two and a half years, uh, you know, the four years of getting my degree and two and a half years working in television, or it was actually close to the three, I think, working in television. And I come back here. So I leave and I come back and I see my friends, and I feel like they're much further along. Like they've graduated. You know, some of them are in uh, serious relationships. They're buying houses. And I'm like – I'm just behind. I'm defeated. Like I got it, and it was that true. Like keep up with the Joneses, but I was like, I, I messed up. I messed up. I, I, what do I got to do? What I gotta, and it just was this 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 defeat that was there, and I just carried it with me, 
most people won't have even seen it. Most people won't have noticed it, but it was inside, and it was and, and it was just something that I was like, I don't want this in this lack of better term, this cancer that's growing inside of me. But it took a lot of years to defeat it. Um, but I'm in remission now, baby. <laughs> and it shows. Eric, do you mind if we uh, do you mind if we take a, a real short break, and we'll come back and discuss more of your book? I'm talking with Eric Uhez right now. He has written a book, Empowering Students for the Future. It's a book that I'm is geared towards teachers, but it sounds and it reads geared for everybody. So stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back after these important messages. Thank you. Thanks for listening, and remember best way to be unique is to just be you. Have you ever read a web article on the internet that really spoke to you? No, I mean really spoke to you. Well, let me tell you about Newsly. Newsly is the new and incredible audio app made especially for iOS and Android. Newsly picks up web articles about the most trending topics throughout the entire Internet. And at any given moment, Newsly reads those web articles to you in a natural human voice. Browse your favorite articles from topics you choose. Stop scrolling, start playing, start listening, and start learning. And Newsly has podcasts as well. Explore trending podcasts from over 40 countries. Our podcasts, Unscripted, Coffee, Candy, and Creatives, and On Demand are there, too. Go to www.newsly.me to download and use Newsly for free now. And if you use promo code BEUNIQUERADIO, all one word and with caps, receive a one-month free premium description. For the first time in the history of the Internet, the web becomes listenable. Listen and learn with Newsly. Unique works to change the world for a better tomorrow using digital mediums to connect the dots of the world through professional storytelling. We have all embracing, all inclusive heart, and are always learning to create new things to revitalize and sustain old things. While recognizing our differences, we use positive and universal thinking to strategize for a positive outcome. We collaborate with people of all distinctions to create a better me. A better you, a better us. By caring for others, there's no room in our hearts for hatred, racism, or egoism. So, let our visions heal and keep the promises of what we will be. One day, by living helpful, caring, and happy, healthy, and essential lives. With the wonderful staff and volunteers at the uni, we will continue to pursue that dream by making the world a better place for everyone. From everyone at BeUnique.org. To our readers and listeners, thank you for all your support. There's so much more on the way. All right, we are back, everybody. You are listening to Be Unique's Unscripted. My name is Tony Taylor. With me is Eric Uhez, author of Empowering Students for the Future. And if you've been listening and you are intrigued and you are interested, I can remind you, that Empowering Students for the Future is at Amazon. So make sure you look up Eric Uhez. That's Eric Uhez, U, oh, sorry, Y-U-H-A-S-Z. Look him up and get the book, Empowering Students for the Future. All right, Eric, we're back. 
And, um, Eric, I wanted to ask you, um, we were talking about how you felt drained and you felt like a failure. Um, and you, you tackle this topic in your book, um, Overcoming Defeat. Um, how do you, how do you, how do you teach your students to fail their way to success, like the chapter says? It, it really it begins by under, recognizing um, that it's just a stepping stone. And uh, one of the things that I specifically try to do is I, I try to connect them, especially if, if the students are athletically inclined. Like you have to look at, of course, every, our generation loves to use Michael Jordan, but look at how many times he failed, how many times he lost to be able to, to learn from those scenarios, use it as a catalyst to move forward, and then spring forward with it. And it, and it really is, uh, you know, failure has such a, a negative connotation to it. But there's no way we can succeed without having different trials. And, and we've got to learn through the process. And maybe we shouldn't call it failing. Maybe we should call it falling. Like, uh, like I, you take, for example, like a little kid, a little two-year-old learning how to walk. They get up and they kind of wobble around and they fall down, right? No one jumps up and say, says, stay down there, you little loser. No, it's, they, they encourage them to get back up. And, and, and if we can begin to, to not only change our mindsets, but when, I, when I'm working with the students, I try to get them to understand, like, somewhere between age two and 22, we, we forget that we just got to get back up. You got to build yeah. build back up the, whatever your goal is. This is a stepping stone. It's a catalyst to 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 a better place, and it makes your story better. Flat out, it makes your story better when when you, when you have those failures along the way. So it, it doesn't it doesn't mean you're, it's not going to sting. It doesn't mean it's not going to hurt. But it it means like okay, you can sit in that that sorrow, that mourning, that grief of the failure, or whatever you want to call it, for a little while. But then you've got to back up and say, or, or step forward and say, okay, what can I learn from it? Um, which is every, so my, I, I teach STEM, so it's engineering design uh, and robot, robotics in my classroom. And at the end of every project they do, they have to answer three questions. What worked well? What didn't work well? What would I do differently? And those three questions, if we can begin to apply into our lives, failure is no longer failure. It's, it's a learning experience. It's a way to say, hey, you know what? Man, I, I won't make that same mistake. And then you move forward. Man, I, I tell you, I, I love the way this book is designed. I, I just, I, like I said, it, it, it almost, it, you know, beginning with the, the, you know, the first chapter with how we can evolve education to create more successful students. I love the fact that you continue to build and build and build. And you get to a point, you know, where you're talking about where, you know, failure. Why is that such a negative connotation? It's the only way we learn. I was always taught that failure is, is, is something, you know, to be feared, something to just dread, something to just, you know, be overwhelmed by. But the more and more that I've lived and learned, um, you know, I've, I've discovered that, you know, the only really failure you have is the failure of deciding to quit. Would you agree with that? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it's, it, that is when, it's, it, it, when it becomes true failure. Now, and, and we need to kind of reframe quitting as well because I, okay. there comes a time when you're like, 
all right, this is not working. Let's just take relationships as an easy one. Like you're not a failure if you, ha- if you decided, hey, this relationship's not working. We've got to walk away. We've got to sever it and go away. That's not a, a failure. You learn from that relationship at, at, right. and you decided to move forward. Um, that's but a great, yeah, if, that's if, a great you, way. Yeah. if you're like, you know, so I'm trying, trying to continue to, or even this book, I'm, I didn't fail with this book unless I just stopped. And I think that's really what it is. Right. Unless I just right. stop trying to promote it and trying to get in the hands of teachers and, and other people, then, then I, I, I failed with it. Like I got it this far, um, but it's, it, it, there might be setbacks along the way, but as long as I'm continuing to move forward. But, but I do understand what you're saying. I'm like, yeah, like unless you completely quit, that's, that's, that's not a failure. You're just learning through the process. It's one and of I the things I, I – go ahead. Go ahead, Eric. I'm sorry. I, I was going to say one of the things that I used to do is um, I, prior to the pandemic, one of the classes I actually taught before school was a magic class. And what I wanted to get across to these kids is you are going to mess up some point in time when you fail or when you perform. You're going to mess up, but it's not the end-all, be-all. You celebrate that failure because put it in your mind and say, okay, I won't do that mistake again. And I think, I think right. especially when you put something like with magic, when you put yourself out there and you, you're bound to fail at some point in time, um, hey, you know what? When you make that mistake, celebrate it, realize you're not going to do it again, and then move forward with it. And I tell you what, and you talk about that too. You talk about that too in the book, creating a lasting attitude. Okay, I mean, how 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 do we take you know something that you know, like a relationship, for example, that you use? I mean, it's hard to not feel like you failed, you know, when you mm-hmm. you're in a bad relationship and you have to call it quits. How do we create that lasting attitude that you talk about in um, in changing a mindset? How do we continue that? Because I tell you, you know, things come up and they knock you down all the time. And sometimes it may seem that it's easier to lay down than to get back up. But how do we create that lasting attitude of wanting to get up, wanting to do well, wanting to, you know, to make that change because we know we have a change we have to make. We know we're meant for more. Um, how do you create that lasting attitude? I, I think it definitely begins with one of the questions that is, what are you doing to be emotionally successful? Um, it's, it's funny because we didn't really talk about, no one really talked about their emotional health that much ever in life until the pandemic hit. And then we started looking at that and it's, it's some of the same key elements. One of the elements that I'm going to really share with you might not put you into that right attitude all the time, but if you're constantly looking at different things that is contributing to your attitude and adding little, the, the, the appropriate pieces to it. That can, is what can actually give you that, that, ad, that appropriate attitude to move forward. And it starts with uh, big is morning routine. The morning routine is, is such a big thing because that's when our brains are firing, right? It's when it's so very receptive to, to what we're going to put into it. And, and unfortunately, far too many people, I think the statistic is something like 83 to 87% of people, the first thing they do when they get up in the morning is they get on their phone. So now if you're getting on the phone and you're, you're doing social media, or you're even checking emails or whatever, you're not giving your brain time to, like, build up for whatever you're about to get into. 
So if you're getting on social media right away and the comparison begins. So, hey, you get a dopamine rush from this like and a dopamine rush from that like. Oh, man, hold on. There's cortisol. Cortisol kicks in because you see someone else's post, and they got way more likes than you. So you went from that dopamine rush, which is that feeling of accomplishment, that, that hormone that your brain releases, as you accomplish something, to cortisol, which is that stress hormone. So all of a sudden, now you're setting off your day in the wrong way. Um, I think the morning routine is extremely important. And another thing is it's who you're surrounding yourself with. And this is a tough one, tough, tough, tough one. I was like looking at who's, who's, uh, who's in your life is constantly in, in impacting the way you think and your feel and your attitude. And I, we've all been around people who will bring, bring the whole party down, so to speak, um, and it's yeah. just being able to recognize. Debbie Downer. Uh, yeah. yeah, Debbie Downer. It's like how, how do I distance myself from that person, that group? And get yourself around somebody who's going to bring, give you that positive attitude. Um, so it, it, it begins to, you begin to train your mind of like, okay, I'm waking up in the morning. I'm not doing the negative things. But then, okay, if you're not doing the negative things, what can you do to replace that that's going to be positive? One of the things I always love doing in that morning routine is I get up and I'm either listening to, um, a podcast that, that, that is motivational, that's inspirational. Um, it, it might be a little sermonette of some sort that I'm listening to in the morning. Um, so I'm starting my day off right and thinking in the right direction. And, and I think when you start to look at just a few of those little things, man, oh, man, it, it can tremendously impact your, your attitude in a positive way or negative way. And, and those are the things that we have to get, start to uh, – to just kind of excise out of our lives these negative things uh, that are influence us uh, and impacting us in such a drastic way. Uh, Eric, how do we how do we put all of these uh, all of these um, in, in our last in our last few minutes? How do we realistically put all of this into motion? How do we get this started? Okay, uh, what I would where I would start um, is asking yourself what is your definition of success, and what I mean by that is then you have to look at all the areas of your life that you deem need to, to be healthy so you can feel successful. Because it can't just be money, it can't just be money. Because we know all the celebrities and actors and actresses who have money and fame. And they want to kill themselves or go into rehab. So we, it can't just be that. It has to be a balance of things in our lives. And I like to think, call the things that we balance in our lives our facets of success. Like for me, I've got 10 different facets of success that, I, that I'm constantly looking at. I've got a whole chart that I keep track of it. Family life, friends, love life, physical health, emotional health, financial, magic, teaching, the book, and spiritual life. So that's a, 10 areas of my life that I'm constantly looking at and continually evaluating, like, where am I in this scenario? And I've actually set uh, in teaching terms called a rubric for each one of those areas. And, like, how do I make this area of my family life move, move up? So essentially I'm setting goals for all those areas. And it it's kind of sounds overwhelming at first, but it boils down to that question. What is your definition of success? And you have to authentically look at it. And if you realize at some point, like, hey, you know what? 
this aspect of my my, my work life is going really well right now, but my family life is, is, is suffering a little bit. That's when you take the time, you energy, and you influx more energy into that family life to build that back up so you get that balance. Or maybe it's your emotional health, like your physical health. And unfortunately, there's times that you, you get multiple facets of your life hit in multiple ways, and it, it really is if you can – if you've compartmentalized your success into these whatever categories, maybe it's five categories, for me it's ten facets, you're going to live a happier, healthier life. You will. Um, 2019, I, I shared with you the start of it. I, t- I, tore my, I had that surgery. I get done with that surgery. Shortly thereafter, I hurt my neck, bulging herniated discs in my neck. I had pain rating all the way down to my fingertips. Shortly after that, my girlfriend of uh, four years and I, we, break, we broke up. Um, sure. Oh, wow. And, yeah, so you had that go on. Then you had in um, Decem- December of that year, my mom's selling guys with a heart attack. Turn the oh, corner to 2020. Yeah. Turn the corner to 2020, my car engine cracks two days before we go into worldwide shutdown because of the pandemic, which we had, at that point in time we had no idea what was going to happen. And any right. one of those things could have toppled me into like an emotional abyss. But because I had understood, I had been teaching my students, I had been teaching my students this, and I had it broken down in my own personal life what my facets of success were, what were those categories, I could look and say, yeah, my physical health is low, my love life is low, my emotional life is low, my family life is low, but I still have, you know, teachings going well. Magic's still going well. I've got these friends there. So it's a, it's a matter about realizing, okay, you know what? I'm not going to let these things hold me down too long. I'm going to work on them. It's going to take some time. But I know to work on them because I've already defined them. And I think in a long, long, long um, answer to your question, the best way to start is understanding what is your definition of success and continually to work to define that authentically because it's going to be different for everybody. Eric, what in our last couple of minutes, what do you want people to take away from this book? I, I want them to understand that they have the power to change their future just by asking the right questions. They really do. And right. I'm trying to put the book in the hands of teachers so they could just adapt these in their easy lessons. It's literally having these discussions with their kids. That's it. They don't have to do copies of this, and they don't have to buy materials. But if they can sit there and begin to ask these questions of their, of their students, or if, if you're a parent, you can ask that of, of your child, or if yourself, ask them, like, okay, you know what? I have the ability to change my own future. I'm empowered to change my own future. And it just begins by saying, hey, you know what? What's my definition of success? Or what am I passionate about? Or what am I going to be emotionally successful? What value am I adding to, to the table? What value am I adding to myself today? And that really is kind of the, the, the takeaway that I, I want people to think about when it comes to it. We all have it. It's within ourselves. It's within ourselves to, to make that change. And I want to reiterate that this is not, you know, although written for teachers, this is not strictly, you know, restricted to teachers. This is for everybody. This is for people. This is for yourself. This is for having a broader understanding of the people you deal with every day. And um, I really want to thank you, Eric, for being a guest on the show today. Um, You've really um, inspired me 
Um, and I want to remind everybody that this book is available on Amazon, so please check it out. It's called Empowering Students for the Future. It's by Eric Uhez. Eric, do you have any other contact information you would like to give before we leave? Uh, they can, it, I primarily, you can check out my website, and you can see all the, the, the fun stuff that I'm doing with trying to, to promote the book. Um, I, I gave it, I, I'll tell you this, I gave it a life of, of itself. I gave it a life of itself because there's only so many different pictures of a cover of a book you can get, you can take. But I gave it a life of itself. Um, it's, it's my brainchild, so you'll see in a lot of the photos I've taken. It, my book has arms and legs, and it's, it's my little baby that's grown up awful quick. So that's kind of the social media uh, direction I went with it. But my website is just my name, ericuhouse.com. And you can look on there specifically the, the one page that's about empowering students for the future and see all the fun stuff that I'm, I'm doing with it. So, All right, Eric. Well, thank you again so much for being with us on Unscripted. Um, I hope you'll join us again, and I wish you all the best with this book. And well, thank course, you, sir. Your, thank you for having me. I can't believe your, like an hour disappeared, but thank you. Well, well, I tell you, you know, we're, we, you know, it's really amazing. You know, we, we are listened to in 90 different countries, but this interview for me has been on such a broad scale that anybody and everybody can relate to, and anybody and everybody can buy your book. So um, I myself am going to do that as soon as we get off the phone, and um, I really, really appreciate your time. Eric, thank you so much for being with us, and I hope you'll join us again. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Have a great night. All right. Have a great night, Eric. Thank you very much. And that week. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back